Today, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden indicted on tax charges in California, of all places. And then we're going to touch on the current raging culture war and how Gideon, the judge in the Bible, has something to teach us about that. Hey guys, welcome back to Defining Truth. I don't know what episode this is, to be honest. 20-something. 20-something. In between some marriage episodes that Lindsay and I did. I'm here with Brandon Jones. And uh, as we mentioned, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden and later Gideon. And if you're not familiar with the story of Gideon, you're you're about to be. We're going to do a brief overview, though. So I encourage you to go and read the story yourself. It's in Judges chapters 6, 7, and 8. But... We'll give you the 50,000 foot perspective. So anyways, Brandon, what's going on with Hunter? Yeah. So Hunter Biden has been charged in connection with a long running Justice Department investigation, which we know into his taxes. This is the second criminal charge uh, that special counsel David Weiss has brought against President Joe Biden's son. And these charges now span nine counts, including failure to uh, file and pay taxes, evasion of assessment, and uh, false or fraudulent tax returns, according to uh, CNN, which was the first to report on this new criminal case. According to the special counsel's team, Hunter Biden, quote, engaged in a four-year scheme to not pay at least $1.4 million in taxes that he owed between the years 2016 and 2019. Although Hunter Biden did eventually pay his taxes uh, in 2018, prosecutors alleged that he included, quote, false business deductions in order to evade assessment of taxes, to reduce the sub- substantial tax liabilities he faced. Now, Hunter Biden, in response, has lashed out, of course, uh, and said that this is a Republican's uh, attempt by Republicans uh, saying <laughs> yeah, that right. we're coming after him in an, quote, illegitimate way in an effort to destroy his father's presidency. I don't think Joe needs any help destroying his presidency. but uh, Bro, I think the Democrats are coming after you. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that. So when questioned by the press on Friday if President Biden would pardon his son, uh, his press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, said that Biden will not pardon Hunter's charges. Of course, he's going to be like, oh, of course I'm going to pardon my son. Pickles and ice cream. Pickles and ice cream. He said something about, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that Hunter is getting his life together. Well, it sounds like Hunter's life is about to get a lot worse. <laughs> and as we clarified prior to um, doing the show today, an indictment against Hunter clearly implicates Joe Biden, his father, who is intricately wrapped up in all of his foreign schemes. If you haven't already, you can go back in history here with Defining Truth on YouTube or Instagram and check out our two-part short series called Treason in the House. We went over some of the charges dealing with Hunter Biden and his laptop in depth and uh, just how egregious they were. So just for before we get started, I just want to say one thing for anybody who doesn't think that what Hunter Biden is doing is directly connected to Joe Biden. The only reason this is happening to Hunter Biden is because he is the son of Joe Biden, who is at the time of these allegations, vice president. Otherwise, Hunter Biden is a nobody. He, he didn't have the qualifications. What, what, you, what you mean, to clarify, not, not why it's happening, like investigating. What you mean is he's able to do things because why is, of his father. Yes, why he is able. Why he's this peddling is a, his influence. Well, yeah, why he was ever approached by foreign state actors right. or anything like that is because he is the son of the president. Right. And he has done things to make himself Yeah, a, he has no target. skill set to hold these positions that he's held. Right. So because his daddy is the president and well-connected... 
he's you know selling art for seven hundred thousand dollars or and whatever. And that's what implicates Joe because, like of I said, of course it does. That's how they're connected. I mean, and and as we clarified before, um, in our in our other little mini series, it's more than just it, it's not you know oftentimes taxes is where investigations start because it's good keys to the castle as we've talked about before. It's a good way in. But the truth is that, I mean, look at the New York Times uh, headline just now, Hunter Biden charged with evading taxes on millions from, and here's the kicker, foreign firms. Now, we went into this before in depth. We're talking Chinese Communist Party tied firms to the tune of millions of dollars given to Hunter Biden. And, he, and we have these messages where Hunter's like, oh, yeah, I'm here in the room with my dad. You know, everything's good. And it's all about Joe Biden. So, you know, before we were talking, and Brandon, you can chime in on your opinion, but my opinion here on this is is this. Take it for what it's worth. We had all of this information, so did the Democrats, way before uh, this the, the, the last big election here, before Trump and Biden went to battle. We knew about this. So the left's decision to, to really allow this to come forward now after obscuring and evading and obstructing for, for, for years now on this is very interesting to me. They're doing it now because clearly it, it implicates Joe Biden. And I, I believe, this is just my opinion, this is the end of Joe Biden. Uh, you're gonna see now a series of stories come out, I believe, that is gonna stem from this. And as more and more implications come out against Joe Biden, um, it will eventually culminate in him not running for president again. Uh, I find it really interesting that this is starting in California, right? Where Gruesome Newsome is like, I'm not running for president. Well, we talked about that because at first I I was like, well, if they want to get rid of Joe, they control him. Why not just get rid of him? But uh, they kind of want to bow him out easily, as, as you alluded to. That's your opinion, at least. Well, yeah. So my opinion was they or what I think they're doing is they've really worshiped Joe Biden uh, in, in, in the public's eye for, for a long time. Well, and, and Newsom admitted as recently as his debate with DeSantis. I mean, he just was like recently. Yeah. A hundred percent for Joe Biden. So, so to save face, right. They need a reason to, to suddenly back off his excellency, right. They, they need to, they have to clear Newsom up to be like, I just, you know, thought that, Hunter was a great guy. You know, all the art and the strip clubs were just, you know, an accident or Republican lies. But now that I see it's all true and they were being paid by communist China, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I maybe will run for president. Do you think that's why Newsom <laughs> I, kept the strip clubs open and not the churches? Because Hunter Biden was, Hunter was visiting, was going it's to possible. strip clubs in California and he wasn't going to church. I, look, these guys are so dirty, right? I mean, if anyone watched it, uh, and we won't go into it in, in depth, but if anybody watched the debate, it was it was pitiful, right? Newsom just basically stood there, and the only way he could physically stand on that stage opposite of um, DeSantis was to basically lie about everything, right? So again, and and by, let me let me be clear, every issue that we have with what the left is doing, how they're destroying this country, their only answer is to lie. They can't justify it, which is the only reason people still vote Democrat because they they've 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 bought in or believed these lies of what the left is selling them, and so they do it at every level. They do it all the way up on the stage. There we saw our you know debating with DeSantis, and they've done it now for years to bring it back to this story. 
with Joe Biden. They've had this information. We had the laptop a long time ago. We had conversations between foreign governments saying we're paying the Bidens money in return for political favors. That that's that's a crime. You know, we 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 did this in our in our previous miniseries. We talked about it. It's so obviously wrong and treasonous. And they just lie and lie and lie because it doesn't fit their agenda. But now, now that Joe Biden is incompetent and senile or he's struggling with dementia or whatever it is, now it's useful because they're like, hey, we have this little ace in our pocket. And now that we want to get rid of Joe Biden, let's go ahead and indict Hunter, right? Let's bring forth into the light everything that we've kept in the dark until now. And uh, let's bring our new character in, which, of course, many of us think it's Newsom. Who knows, right? Like, I don't know that any of us can say 100%. It's like, who who um, was it, Tucker or Trump? or some, Somebody said, like, out of hundreds of possibilities of, uh, you know, this next coming election, one of them is not going to be Joe Biden. Yeah, well, actually, Tucker said it. He said that he would sell his house or give away his uh, fishing oh, right. house in yeah. Maine. And Newsom said it himself, himself on the debate uh, stage with DeSantis. He said, you know, one thing's for sure. Neither of the two people standing up here, which I think is one of the better lines from the night. Uh, neither of the two people standing up here on this stage are going to be president in 2024. I thought that was kind of funny, but, um, you know, they say in the world of gangs, you know, you ain't got to lie to kick it, but if you're a Democrat, man, you sure got to lie to kick it. Oh, absolutely. You have to lie about everything. I mean, it, it takes a lot of a spine, let's say, to go up on stage and tout the wonderfulness of California cities <laughs> with a smile too. I it's mean, he just sat there and placated the American people like we're stupid. Uh, I mean, we, we went a lot of, we went into a lot of depth on the, the debate uh, last week, but let's get into a little bit of uh, how Gideon and the story of Gideon and the Bible ties into uh, the culture world today and, and talking about Hunter Biden. Yeah. So, I mean, coming off the Hunter Biden indictment, right. It's just one of a long list of things that we're currently battling in this culture. Um, we often talk about the culture war here on Defining Truth, and um, for good reason, as, as in, if you're unaware and you're listening to us, we believe that Christians have a role, an active role to play in society and in civics, that we should not shirk our civic responsibility, but we should be a light in the darkness in whatever way that manifests, but you should always speak truth and represent the truth of, of God's word in whatever circumstance he's placed you in, right? So we often say, if you're a plumber, you know, be, be a bold plumber for Jesus. If you're a politician, then be bold in that regard. But where given the opportunity to stand for righteousness, you should, because the Bible's pretty clear about people who stand idly by and watch evil occur, uh, implying that you are also guilty of the same. So, uh, you know, this week I listened to a great message. Our, our good friend, um, who's a pastor in Irvine, Garrett Beeler. He's the pastor of uh, Vision Calvary Chapel out in Irvine. If, if any of you guys are near there, you should go check it out. He's an, he's an awesome teacher, good friend. Um, he was wrapping up a series on um, Gideon, the character of Gideon in the Bible. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna overview this, but I'm actually gonna spend some time today because it's just a fascinating story. Uh, and I thought it was very applicable because essentially the, the situation here is that Gideon finds himself in this incredibly difficult situation to be in where, hey buddy, this is my four-year-old son. Mom's here? Hey Connor. That's great, why don't you go find her? Go find her. All right, take the dog inside. 
um, uh, back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> programming. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, so uh, Gideon, uh, I'm I'm actually instead of trying to explain in my own words, let's just start here. So this is this is in the book of Judges, and and I'm going to start in chapter six. The the story that we're covering at the moment is really six, seven, and eight. But um, so you have the situation where there are uh, Baal worshippers in Israel, right? The, this pagan god, uh, which, by the way, we see a lot of correlation in today's culture with Baal worship. It was the sacrifice of children. It was um, very immoral and over-sexualized. Uh, just imagine like a super manifestation of like what the left is doing today, but in a pagan Baal worship religion at the time. And so God speaks to this man, Gideon, and Gideon tears down the Baal altar and the Ashtoreth pole. And uh, God is, is now speaking out and showing Gideon, hey, I'm here. You need to turn away from these things. Well, right after in verse 33 of chapter 6, it says that all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples uh, joined forces and crossed over the Jordan to camp against Israel, right? So this is this massive army. Later, we're going to see that it was over 120,000 people. They're, they're coming against the people of Israel and the people are, are, are scared, right? They're, they're, they're outnumbered. They don't know what to do. But Gideon, who had recently tore down the, the Ashtoreth pole, and, which is just a thing that they used to worship Baal and, and the altar, um, he seeks God. So that's our first point in that in this seemingly great uh, impossible odds, the first thing that Gideon does is he seeks God. God's will. And that immediately kind of stood out to me because we, we often talk about all this stuff going on in our culture, like, you know, the trans agenda in school and just the overwhelming anti-God culture that we're dealing with today in, in America. And it seems at times like it's impossible to overcome. You turn on the news and you look at what's going on around the world and you're just like, this is, this is impossible. Like, no, nobody can fix this, right? People are lost looking at politicians for help, and that's never going to help you, believe me. They're, you know, they're, they, they're looking to finances. They're, they're worried about the future. It's just their mind is all over the place. And I thought it would do us well to remember what Gideon did when facing you know, total annihilation from this, this in, invasion, this military, is that the first thing he does is seeks God's. He looked for God's advice and God's direction first. So if you read the story, and I'm not going to go into it in detail because we're overviewing here. He puts out this fleece on the floor and he says, God, if, if, if you're you know, going to lead us to victory here, you know, show me a sign when this fleece, there's dew on the fleece and the, the ground around it is dry. Then he wakes up in the morning and the fleece had dew on it. And the ground was dry. So he's like, okay. And then he's like, let me do it one more time. And he goes, let's, let's flip it. Let's do the opposite. Um, you know, and he asked God for the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. And then that happens. And so on that very beginning, on that premise, he knew that his victory was assured because he first and foremost sought God. All right. So after getting this sign, you know, God clearly shows him, hey, I'm going to be with you. Um, Gideon decides, all right, let's do it. Right. So but next, you would think, okay, so how's God going to do this, right? How are we going to overcome these incredible odds? What, what God does next here in chapter 7, one, verse 1 through 7, is really interesting. He ensures that Gideon is insufficient and that the people of Israel are not enough um, in of themselves. So the first thing that God says to Gideon is, 
basically you're, you're in too good of a situation here. Um, if I save you now, Israel will take credit for themselves. And, and that really stood out to me because I thought, man, when we look at our, our, our situation in this country right now, you know, you can't help but wonder if God is getting us and the church in America to a place where we are absolutely dependent on him and, and not on ourselves. Like as if, if it were too easy to stand up and run for office or vote or, or you know, whatever it is that God has called you to be engaged with uh, in, in, in the world around you, if it was too easy, you could say, look what I did, right? Which is such a human proclivity. So God reduces the numbers of people uh, uh, that, that Gideon had with him, okay? All these men that were gonna go to battle because Gideon sent messages out. If you read the whole story, people come from different tribes and they armed themselves and they're ready to go fight the bad guys. And God says, okay, you're in too good of a spot. I'm gonna reduce the amount of people that are with you. So he says, go out and tell everybody from your little army that you've gathered that anyone who's afraid can go home right now. And so a bunch of people left because they, I guess, were afraid they were going to get, you know, slaughtered by the enemy. But that still wasn't enough. And God says, there's still too many men. So then God tells Gideon to take these guys down to the river. And he says, watch how they drink. And I'm going to give you some instructions. So he takes the men down to the river. And he says, I want you to watch how they're drinking the water. So they go down to the river and all the men that they cupped their hands and brought the water up to their mouth like that versus getting down on their knees and putting their face in the water. Uh, those are the ones that I want you to keep. And so Gideon watches and only uh, 300 brought you know the water up to their mouth by cupping it in their hands. And then God said, okay, with these 300 guys, I'm gonna save Israel. So imagine being Gideon, right? You've already laid your fleece out and you're like begging God for a sign. You're, I mean, you're seeking you know his advice. Um, but you're already worried, like, this is pretty bad. There's, there's a lot of bad guys out there. I don't know how we're going to make it. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to send your army home. Just keep 300 guys. Okay. Now they're probably looking at, you know, now later on, we'll read that 120,000 fell, but there was probably more than that in this camp. So this camp is enormous, right? It's huge. So I, God got them to the point where they were absolutely dependent on him no questions, no doubt about it. And I can't help but wonder if, if someone out there might feel like uh, they're in that situation right now to instead of despair or lose hope, just remember who the God is that you serve, that maybe God has gotten you to a point where there's no other possible explanation for your success or victory other than God himself. And, and sometimes God has to get us to that point because our pride uh, and our humanity constantly gets in the way. We constantly want to usurp authority. We constantly want to say, um, look what I did, look what I've done. And so I think sometimes what we complain about as hardships is really God working in our lives and getting us to a point where he can show himself and say to us, look, this is where you need to be. You need to trust me. So they get down to 300 guys, just how bad the situation was. Well, Judges chapter seven in verse 12 says that the Midianites the Amalekites and all the Eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. So again, imagine you're, you're Gideon here, right? You got 300 guys that stuck around and drink water with their hands. And you're looking at so many uh, people, camps, camels, equipment, tents, that, that you can't even count them. That's how many there are in the valley. And to make things even more impossible, 
God says, I'm going to make it to where you can't possibly escape the situation without my assistance and intervention. So God knew that man's proclivity is to say, look what I did. Look how great I am. So God said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that, you sur- that, you- that if you survive this, there's no other possible explanation other than what I've done for you. So he tells Gideon to, and, and there's more to the story. Again, we're doing a quick over, over flyover, right? So go back and read it yourself. But basically Gideon has his men carry these, these jars of clay in one hand, a trumpet in the other hand. In the jars, they have these torches. And he tells them, just, just hold on to those, those items. They go out there in the middle of the night and on Gideon's command, they break the jars, which makes this, you know, clamorous sound all around the camp. The torches show up in the dark, obviously lights all of a sudden everywhere, and they start blasting these trumpet sounds. So in the chaos that ensued, the enemies confused, thrown into chaos, totally doesn't, under, they don't understand what's going on, and they turn on themselves and start fighting each other, right? Um, man. Do we or do we not see that in today's culture war? Absolutely. Like the enemy thinks they got something in the bag. They, they're like going to crush the church and they're going to crush, you know, the, the, the conservatives that are coming against them. And then God's just like, boom, confusion. No, no victory here, guys. And then they turn on each other. We see that a lot in, in uh, even in the, in the trans movement a lot, right? You see people who detransition. And once the darlings all of a sudden become like, you know, fascist and enemy of the state and it's like man as soon as you break from the narrative as soon as you're not you know all on team leftism you're done and they turn and they eat each other uh we're seeing that with uh hunter biden you know all of a sudden the darling of his excellency is is now going down it's really sad because it's 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 a it's a truism throughout life that would do us well to remember the world eats their own the only one that you can really trust is god and the end result of lies, as we go into in, in our book that just came out, is always death. We see that there's a pattern of that throughout history that this is what the world does. This is what Satan does with people who turn away from God. He lures them in with the promise of victory. And in the end, it's nothing but destruction. So this is what happened to the enemy here. Gideon and his men jump out. The, the jars are smashed. The torches come out. They blow the trumpets and they jump into the fight. So Gideon returned victorious. And in Judges chapter 8, 10 through 12, it tells us that 120,000 men were slain that evening. That's Gideon's 300 versus hundreds of thousands. And it was nothing but an afterthought for the creator of the universe. But the ultimate victory was, wasn't really the physical defeat. It was the people's return to God. And, and, and hear me out, this is what applies to us in our situation today. At any moment, God could fix everything going on in the world. He could end the issues that we face locally uh, in, 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 at the state level and at the national level. But what he really desires beyond the physical, beyond the fact that uh, you know, we view everything through a temporary lens, he desires relationship with his people. That through this struggle, as we see with Gideon here and the, and the enemy, this struggle and trial, which later became a victory, the eternal purpose shone through in that people saw what really mattered more than their physical circumstances. That it was our relationship with God who created us and that he desires a relationship with us. And that's really the ultimate goal is God's glory. It wasn't about us. Look, God has an eternal perspective on things, right? We, we are often short-sighted. We see the now, we see ourselves, we tend to be self-centered. 
but God has this eternal perspective. He's like, oh man, eternity is a lot longer than what you have going on here. And getting you there is, is, is the real goal. That's the primary focus much more than your temporary fix, right? Your bill being paid or your problem being solved. What, what really matters is not the temporal or the now, it's the eternal. It's what God's gonna do for you in eternity if you'll only just get that in your head that right now it's about his kingdom and living for him. And that's really the point. So ultimately in the story of Gideon, the real winner is God because he turned his people back to him by showing himself uh, glorious and benevolent and loving towards them. You know, in um, in our book, uh, which is out now, Defining Truth, there's a chapter on leadership. And we talk about ephemeral leaders or temporary leaders and the difference between leadership in the world and leadership uh, from a servant leadership or Christ-like perspective. And the real difference we sort of debate or, or give an apologetic for in that chapter is that ephemeral or worldly leaders, like, like those we see on the left especially, are temporary in their victories. They're, they're, they're based on temporary talent or temporary goals, where um, lasting true leadership is leading you toward truth, whether that's eternal or, or in the now. So like um, it's ultimate joy and internal satisfaction. So, you know, we look at, some people will point out and say, well, look at these, you know, disciples of Jesus in the Bible, they ended up getting martyred for their faith and, and, and they died. And, they, and I go, yeah, leadership, they actually gave their lives for the purpose of leading people to the one true God versus, you know, you look at people like Alexander the Great or, you know, these even evil characters like Hitler who had, from a worldly definition, they had leadership skills, but where did they lead their people to? But death and destruction, right? So there's a big difference between being able to lead people, having the talent to lead people, but there's a, and, and the huge difference is, um, intelligence versus wisdom. So wisdom will lead people towards truth, whether that's temporary or whether it's eternal. We see that as an example that obviously we know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Bible tells us. And as Christians, we hold that to be true in all facets of life, that ultimately the end goal of everything we do is God's glory, whether that's now or in eternity. That guiding light uh, would do any young man or old man for that matter well to remember. Um, speaking of that, this is our book. I don't know if you can see it here. Defining Truth, Shining Light in the Darkness and Exposing Destructive Lies and Defining Truth. Um, this is out now and available. We're really excited about this because if you've enjoyed the podcast or even what we're talking about today, we really take time and go into it in depth here in the book. It's not too long. Um, it's about, uh, what did we land at? Like 144 pages. 140 pages, somewhere around there. Um, but the chapters, uh, there's 10 chapters, and they cover topics like truth, love, purpose, pride, self-defense, gender, that one gets spicy, marriage, leadership, motives, and sacrifice. And um, we hope that it equips those out there who are interested to go into the battle of this culture war and fight. So, Gideon. What an amazing story. Hey, buddy, here's my son again. Um, How you doing? Um, do you know this? Um, what do you need? There's, there's, there's a ding dong, and I come to get you. Good. Okay. Thank you. Why don't you sit right there on the couch for a minute? Brandon, well, do you have any wrap-ups on the story of Gideon? <clears throat> it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, no, it's a great story. I think that... Uh, uh, 
I don't know. I'm distracted by Connor now. <laughs> I know. That's like the fourth time he's come in here today. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, no. Um, I, I, I think just overall in closing, the, the story of Gideon was was a was a good reminder for me that oftentimes we just we just shake our heads, you know. You're looking at social media, you're looking at the news, and the left just seems to be overwhelming uh the nation with just nonsensical idiocy, you know, just dark. And we know it's spiritual as believers. We see a blindness. Even it's infected even the church. As many have spoken out, you know, against Israel, they uh, they backed social Marxist movements in in the past, and you're just like, what in the world is going on? But then I'm I'm refreshed and I'm reminded of this story that oftentimes throughout history, God works with a remnant. He works with a few people, and He often does so because He wants to show Himself for who He really is, you know. And and, and I think for a lot of us, we have to get to that point in our in our life where we're over ourselves, where God's finally able to say, okay, now that you're over yourself, I'm going to show myself uh, worthy in this situation. So it's really cool. I would encourage you to go listen. In fact, you want a really good, go listen to Pastor Garrett's three uh, set series on uh, Gideon. And if you look at uh, Vision Calvary Chapel, they have an app and you can also find them on Apple Podcasts. Um, It's, I think, if not the most recent or close to it set of... uh, stories there in judges. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Garrett's going through, he's actually going through the book of Hebrews and the hall of faith where Gideon is mentioned. And so as he goes through each character that's right. mentioned in the hall of faith, he goes back to the story in the Bible that talks about them. Uh, Pastor Garrett is, I mean, I can't say enough about him uh, as far as his teaching. He's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, definitely go. Um, if you guys aren't reading defining truth, the book, which you should be all the time. Uh, first and foremost, you should be getting fed the word, the real book. And uh, find yourself a good teacher because that is vital to your day-to-day life and spiritual health. Get plugged in, get a good teaching every day. Even if you just pop it in and listen to it while you commute or go about, you know, your day or whatever, make sure you intake the word. It sets the tone for your thoughts, for your mind, critical thinking, your right understanding, and more importantly, your reactions to those around you. Let God set the tone in your life first and foremost. I think that's all we have for today. We'll see you guys next time on Defining Truth. 